Thank you for listening to Christian Family Church Podcast. Here at CFC, our mission is to live and communicate the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. From wherever you're listening, we hope you'll be encouraged by this week's message. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Uh, Those of you here in the room and those of you online, you can grab a seat. Actually, if I can grab someone to grab the pulpit again, that'd be great. Uh, Which way did it go? It's disappeared. Thank you so much for joining with us today. It's great to have some different people in the room again today. It's it's kind of it's like a mystery, um, 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 lucky dip. No, let's. Uh, I'm gonna. I don't know. I was gonna say. No, I'm not even gonna say that. But uh, you, you never know who's gonna turn up at church on a Sunday morning right now. So we can't have everyone here, but we've had a different 30 people every week since we've been allowed to, and it's it's fantastic. Um, and those guys at home. We can't wait to have you here in the room with us as well. And everyone in the room said? Amen. Amen. Can you hear them? Say it a bit louder. Hey, that's for you at home, guys. So, fantastic. This morning, we are going to finish uh, our series looking at the book of Ruth. And I thought this was going to be a one-week message, to be honest. When I started preparing, I I had a word on my heart that God had given me to share. And I thought it was just going to be a one-week thing. But as I prepared, I realised this is way too long, Andrew. Um, We'd still be going for... Anyway, no. Uh, But this morning, what we're going to do as we finish the series is we're going to look at the very ending, the the climax of the story. And if you haven't read the book of Ruth before, I'm sorry, I'm giving away the spoiler. I'm telling you the ending before you've read it. If you haven't read the book of Ruth, I encourage you this afternoon, take you about 15 minutes to read through the four chapters. And if you haven't read through the whole book, I encourage you to do that uh, this week and let God speak to you as you read his word. This morning, we're going to jump right to the ending in Ruth chapter 4. If you've got your Bible, I encourage you to grab it. If you haven't, if you're at home and it's in, off in the bedroom, just do a quick sprint down to the bedroom and grab your Bible. Uh, that's one advantage if you're at home, because you can go and get your Bible if you forgot it. <laughs> Ruth chapter 4 and verse 13. It says this, So Boaz took Ruth into his home. And she became his wife. And everyone went, woo! It's like introducing Mr. and Mrs. Boaz and Ruth. (laughs) Then he slept with her, and the Lord enabled her to become pregnant. And she gave birth to a son. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord, who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. And guess what? He is. We're reading about him. May he restore your youth and care for, your, care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law, who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast. She cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor women said, Now at last Naomi has a son again. And they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. This is the genealogical record of their ancestors of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amidadab. Amidadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. They go, Salmon's in the Bible. Who knew? You do now. Salmon was the father of Boaz. Boaz, who married Ruth, was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of of David. 
What a climax to the story. If you haven't heard the other parts of this message series, um, maybe you're going, what's so exciting about that, Andrew? But you need to understand, if you haven't heard it or read it, go back and have a listen to the the beginning of, of Ruth. But what an ending. Ruth gets the guy. God blesses them. Naomi gets the grandson. And, and the great-grandson becomes not just a good man, but the king of Israel. And then the descendant of David becomes none other than the saviour of the world. It's, it's an epic climax. It's an awesome conclusion to the story. But can I be honest? I think sometimes we read the endings of these stories or even we, we read them and we know what happens at the end and we see the blessing of God, we see the, the favour of God in people's lives, we see these great things happen and we think, yeah, God, I want the blessing. I want the good thing to happen in my life. And we think, okay, God, bless me, bless me. I want these good things. I want the epic fairy tale ending. But we miss the detail of how it comes to pass. We miss the process of... Naomi being emptied and Ruth's first husband dying and then being in famine and the struggle they go through to come to this point in the end of chapter 4. So this morning what I want to do is look at some of the choices from where we left off in chapter 2 of Ruth and Naomi and Boaz, the choices that led them to this final moment that we might learn from them and that we might be even challenged by their choices and their decisions along that journey. Let's just pray before we look at those things together now. Lord God, we just thank you for your providence, your ability to work in our day-to-day lives, the, the natural things in a supernatural way. God, your ability to weave together all the different circumstances of life, all the different things that happen in our lives, your ability to work them together and weave and create a beautiful tapestry for your glory. And God, I just pray today that through all the things that we might be going through, the highs, the lows, the twists, the turns, that God, you would help us to surrender to you, that we would allow you to weave our lives together like a beautiful masterpiece for your glory. God, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. And Lord, I just pray that you'd help us to have such a confident, joyful trust in your ability to use us and work for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The first person I want to look at this morning is Ruth. It's the book of Ruth, and Ruth is one of the main characters. And last we heard in chapter 2 last week, she was collecting grain in the field of Boaz. She's a widow with no, ch- no children. She's a Moabite woman come back to live in the land of Israel. She's chosen to serve Naomi and to serve her God until her death. But then in chapter 3, we see there's a, a shift, there's, there's a, a turn in events when Naomi comes to Ruth and says, Ruth, go and, go and wash. Maybe she was a bit smelly. <laughs> we don't know. She says, go and have a bath, get washed up, get dressed up in your nicest clothes, put on your nicest perfume, and then, Ruth, I want you to go and lie down at the feet of Boaz while he sleeps. And you're thinking, what the? And then she says, just go and wait for his instructions for you. 
Now, girls, I just want to point out that if you do that today, in our culture, in our time, in this world, I think the reaction of those that you go and light the feet of may be quite different to Boaz. Um, there was a, it was a cultural uh, understanding of, of the Redeemer and, and how that all worked. But I think if you came, to be honest, if I woke up one morning and at the feet of Rochelle and I's bed there was someone lying there and uh, I didn't know you were coming, I would be a little shocked and my reaction might be a little bit different to Boaz's. But Ruth knew Boaz's character. She already knew and trusted this man. She had seen his kindness to her. He had, she had seen his graciousness, not in just allowing her to collect the, the, the grain in the field, but Boaz went beyond what was required of him. He not only allowed her to collect the, the leftovers, but he said to the workers, we read in the last part of chapter 2, about how Boaz says, you know what, I want you to, to pick some of the grain and just drop it for Naomi to pick up. Us for Ruth to pick up, thank you. <laughs> and Ruth had seen Boaz's character, his kindness, his graciousness, his compassion. And the second part of this, we need to understand that Ruth coming and laying herself down at the feet of Boaz was basically a marriage proposal. It's surrendering her life and saying, I, I want to give myself to you. And girls, guys, I want to point out that I, I wouldn't recommend going and just lying at someone's feet randomly. But I think there is something we can take from the book of Ruth and how we relate to one another and, and look for a future husband or wife. And that's not just to look at what they look like, not just to look at the job they might have, not just to look at their sense of humour or their, their personality, but to look at their character. What is this person like when they get upset? What's this person like? How do they treat their family? How do they treat those who disagree with them? Are they kind? Are they compassionate? Are they godly? And if we can see that, marriage is about committing ourselves to one another. And feelings go up and down, but love and marriage is to be a commitment. And there's something we can learn from Ruth in this book. If you look at it more, and I'd love to go into it more, but I won't for time's sake. In our individualistic, me-centered world, we hear so often, you don't have to listen to anyone else. If it feels right for you, then do it. If it makes you happy, go for it. As so often the messages that we're, our kids are taught, our, our world portrays through movies, through so many things, it says, if you know what, if it feels good for you, then do it. But that is not the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible is not all about me and my desires and what I want and what I can get. And Ruth chooses to listen to her mother-in-law. She goes and she lays herself down at the feet of Boaz. Now, maybe she had some secret feelings for Boaz. I don't think she did. And chances are Boaz is probably a man who's quite a bit older. And she's probably in her early 20s at the earliest. She's been married to, and her husband, first husband has died, but they haven't had children. She might be in her early 20s, mid-20s at the most. But she goes and gives herself to Boaz. 
So am I, am I saying that we should have arranged marriages and that we should just listen to what our mother-in-law says and just go and give ourselves to whoever our, our parents say? Well, no, I'm not. Although, since having kids, I've sort of thought, maybe it is a good idea to arrange marriage. Like, no, I think I've got some pretty good people in mind. It's like, yeah, sorry, kids, if you're listening. What I believe is God wants us to see that God blesses those who live in the service of others. God's blessing is on those who surrender their life, who give their life to be a blessing. Am I saying we should all be slaves and and have nothing and, and do nothing for ourselves? No, of course not. But who are we living for? Are we living just for our own comfort, our own pleasure, our own whatever we want, or are we living for the glory of God? Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this. I'll just find it. It's reading from verse 6. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice or righteousness, some translations say, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You know, Paul puts it a a different way in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I'll turn there so I don't mix up my translations. You know when you memorize a verse in one translation, then you start learning a different translation, you muddle them all up. (laughs) Galatians 2.20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We no longer live for ourselves. If we are followers of Christ, if we are are Christians in the sense of followers of Jesus, and that's what it means to be, we no longer live for our own selves. We live for the glory of God. We don't live for what I can get, for what I can get for me, I live for the glory of God. God blesses those who live in the service of others, who live for his glory. The second thing I believe God wants us to see is about Naomi. At the beginning of chapter, chapter 3 in the book of Ruth, we read, uh, let's turn there to verse 1. It says, One day Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Again, she's seeking the blessing of someone else. This time it's Ruth. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight, he'll be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you. Take a bath, put on perfume, go and do these things and present yourself to Boaz. Naomi sees an opportunity and she makes a move. It seems like Naomi has some plans in the back of her mind right the way through the book. It seems like as well, God is just working things that Naomi could never have planned either. But you know, point number two, I believe sometimes to see the blessing, we need to look for the opportunity. Not just for our benefit, not just for our blessing, not for our wealth, not just for our pleasure, but to be a blessing. Sometimes we need to look for the opportunities. 
people in our lives, people in our world that don't yet know Christ, the blessing for them is when we look for opportunities to share the love of God with them. Sometimes to see the blessing for that person, we need to seek opportunities. We need to work to make opportunities. And I believe God wants us not just to sit passively and wait. Sometimes we need to search for and look for and make opportunities to see the blessing come in other people's lives. I want to ask you this morning, what opportunities has God placed before you? What opportunities do you have week by week, day by day, month by month? What opportunities has God placed in your lap? And maybe we've been blind to them. Maybe you haven't even seen the obvious things that God's given you. I've shared a little bit about how on our long service leave trip up at Ellie Beach, we'd been on the road for about eight weeks, and I just felt God in a, in a moment on the beach just totally say to me, Andrew, you are free to do whatever you want to do. You don't have to go back and be a pastor. You don't have to go back and do what you've been doing. I felt a total freedom in God to say, Andrew, what do you want to do? But I realized over the next four weeks as I prayed and, and sought God and in amongst all the other fun stuff and other things we're doing and driving and just praying and, and, and visiting other churches, God spoke to me so many times repeatedly just saying, Andrew, I have given you an opportunity. And God has placed me, he's placed you in a position, in a, in a place where we have an opportunity. And I made a choice and I said, I'm coming back and I'm not just gonna, not just gonna do it because I used to do it and that's what people expect me to do. I'm coming back because God has placed me, he has positioned me for such a time as this to be for his glory. And there may be hard times, there may be difficult things within that, but let's choose to use our lives, our opportunities for the glory of God. Do you have a job? You have an opportunity. Do you have a family? you have an opportunity. Do you have neighbours? There's an opportunity. Are you part of a church community? I hope so. <laughs> what opportunities has God placed before you? I want to just say, if we come to church just to receive, if you tune in online just to receive something this morning, We've missed the point of what gathering as his church is. We come together, whether it be online or in the room, whether we come together on a Sunday morning or as a life group, we come together around God's word, we come together around communion to serve one another. We come together to encourage each other. And even online, as you gather, as you come, as you comment in the chats and say, hi, hi, even in people over in Norway, g'day, Ida, great to have you joining with us today. Uh, as we comment, we encourage one another. See, I've just said that Ida's joined us this morning, and, and you're all going, oh, wow, isn't that cool? We can come together and celebrate our, our hope in Christ across the world with our brothers and sisters. Simply by tuning in online, we can be an encouragement to one another. I've heard some people say, oh, so exciting this week. I saw there was this many people watching at one time. Like just by tuning in, even without chatting online, you can be for the encouragement of someone else. God's plan is that we would come together and serve one another, that we would connect with those older in the faith, that we'd connect with those younger in the faith, that we would be people making disciples, that we would learn from each other, that we would challenge each other. 
That's why life groups are so powerful to, to expand and grow on those relationships that so we can get to know each other in a deeper level and encourage each other and, and build each other up. Why? So that the world would know God's love and his faithfulness, that they would see his love through you. We don't come together just to experience the worship, although we are blessed by that. We come together to worship. We come together to, to worship as we serve and glorify Him through our songs, as we sing, but through our serving of one another. And that's not just on Sundays. That's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Every moment, every day, God wants to use us to demonstrate His love to the world. I just want to acknowledge and thank the guys that ran our grade six event yesterday. Uh, we had an awesome bunch of young people here and uh, I was sort of just here and floating in the background and doing some other things. But, uh, and to those grade sixes watching today, great to have you here yesterday and sorry to the ones that couldn't make it. But uh, we had three young people give their lives to Jesus yesterday. And I just want to say thanks to the team who, who ran that. It's such a, a great day and uh, they saw an opportunity you know, it's been such a difficult year for our young people who can't get together, who can't meet friends before they go into secondary school. These guys saw an opportunity and they chose to be a blessing. I think of our MOPS team who ran the park hangouts this week and have just persevered through all of the challenges of, of the last two years. Our Kids Inc. team Friday night, the youth team, our property team who've been here. They've been working flat out over the last two years. <laughs> Even though we haven't been here half the time, they've been here fixing fences and, and pulling out trees that are all falling over. Um, if you haven't been here in a while, it's going to look different when you drive in. Anyone notice that this morning? Yep. I think it's so exciting that the, our CFC ladies event's coming up. These, these ladies have seen an opportunity and come and said, hey, can we do this? And yeah, let's do this for God's glory. We've got a, a team of people that have come together just this last week to plan out some hikes We've done some blokes hikes in the past. We've had some people come together and say, we, can, we see an opportunity here to connect with people and, and help new people connect and uh, to join together and, and get to know each other more. So we've got a, a one-day ladies hike planned for uh, early in the year. And then a bit later, we're going to have a two-day mixed blokes and ladies hike. And then later on in the year, just wait for it. It is going to be the three-day epic I can't wait. I'm just like, I think I'm just going to hold off for the three-day one. I'm just like, bring it on. It's going to be good. I just want to say thank you to everyone who is serving and helping and looking for those opportunities. Church, let's look for opportunities as individuals, but also as a church. Sometimes we have ideas that it's just for us to do before God. Other times it's things that we can come together and do together as a church body. To be honest, as I look ahead for us as a church, and we're going to talk more about next week what we, we think God is leading us in as a church over the next coming weeks, but I, I see that as we go forward, the, the, the second service idea that God is most likely leading us into, that we will need more people. We need more people to help run that second service. You know, when we had open services. We had over 200 people here in the building and we're almost at capacity. I believe God's been speaking to us for about five years about opening up to, to care for and disciple more people. It's not just for this time, but it's for 
the city of Colac, for this region, that people could come and have space to have fellowship, to hear about the love of God, to meet with his people and be encouraged. And we need more people. I wonder for a second, can I get everyone to put up their hand? Whether you're joining on, online at home, come on, turn around to your family and say, hey, he said put up his hand, come on, let's do it, let's join in, let's pretend we're in the room, let's be part of it. Okay, I want you to keep your hand up in the air if you can do this, these two things. If you can smile and you can say hello, keep your hand in the air. And in fact, let's just practice that right now. Say hello. <laughs> you can say good morning, welcome to church. Fantastic. We just had about 200 people qualify themselves for the host team. Dad, um, Rob, I hope you got your pen out. You wrote down all the names of people that are in the chat right now. Um, we've got a whole bunch of new greeting team. Um, oh no, for a moment, if, have you ever played an instrument? Put your hand. Put your hand up in the air. Have you ever, ever played an instrument? I want you to keep your hand in the air if you've ever played an instrument in the last five years. Okay, the ones that just went down, guys, Luke, we just need to train these guys a bit more. Um, keep your hand in the air if you've played an instrument in the last two years. Fantastic. So we've got some Luke's writing down the names. Fantastic. Yep. Um, we have an opportunity and we need people to be able to bless more people. And I want to encourage you to, to let us know if you can serve in some way, shape or form. And maybe even Darcy, if you can jump in the chat and put in the link www.cfccolac.com slash volunteers. You can fill that in right now. I'm going to pray for God to give you the ability to listen while you fill in the form. Um, please, would you let us know if you can serve in some way. I know Kids Church, CFC Kids, I should say, sorry. Dee's been putting together a team and, and trying to help uh, get things ready for the last part of the year. But we need more people. As we open up again, we, we need people, the body of Christ, each different member doing their part of the body of Christ. The final thing I want to look at this morning is that Boaz chose to do what was right and not what was easy. Boaz's life was going pretty well up to this point. He was a wealthy farmer. He was respected. He was an influential man in, the, in that city, in that region, in that town. But then suddenly Ruth and Naomi show up and he's got this young girl coming to collect grain in his field and then Ruth literally shows up at his feet one middle of the night. But Boaz doesn't take advantage of her. In fact, he does everything in his power to protect her reputation and to help her. The first thing we see in chapter 2 in verse 14, it says, when Ruth's out collecting the grain, Ruth calls to her and says, come and eat with us. And that was a big thing for, for Boaz to say, Ruth, come and eat with us. To, eat, to, to invite her to eat with them was to acknowledge her as an equal. The, the, the harvesters, the workers, they've all come together for lunch and Boaz says, come and eat with us. And then we come to chapter 3. And we see as, as Ruth lays at his feet and he wakes up because his feet are cold because she's uncovered his feet. He acknowledges Ruth's amazing faithfulness and loyalty to her family. He said, you could have gone off and found any other younger man to be your husband, but you have come to me as your family redeemer. 
But then he explains how there's someone who's actually a closer relative than he is. And he says that he must first go and talk to this other person before he can redeem her and take her as his wife. And in that moment, he, he tells her to just lay down and sleep and in the morning to go off before the sun comes up that no one would see and, and accuse her of things. Of, um, and he wants to protect this woman. And the next day, the very next day, Boaz gets up and he goes and he meets with this other man who's the closer relative. And in chapter 4, we see that this other man isn't willing to, to redeem Ruth. Boaz starts off talking about the fields. He kind of goes where he thinks he'll be more keen. It's like, are you willing to redeem Elimelech's property? He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, well, if you do that, you also have to marry Ruth. And he's like, whoa, hang on. And we read in verse 6. It says, then I can't redeem it, the family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land. I cannot do it. The reality was that this was a risk for Boaz as well. We don't know everything about Boaz's situation, but to redeem the family, redeem Elimelech's property and his family meant purchasing the land for them to continue to live on and also to marry Ruth. And if Ruth had a son and this man had no other children, the risk was for him that all of his family inheritance would pass to the family of Elimelech and his own family would have no descendant. There was a risk involved in being the family redeemer for him personally. His wealth may be lost to the family of Elimelech. But Boaz does what is right. And he goes and he redeems the property, he redeems and he agrees to marry Ruth that day and it all goes forward. You know what I find so amazing is that even as God is outworking his plans for Ruth and Naomi and Boaz, he was also giving us an awesome, amazing picture, a picture of what Christ has come to do for us. You see, Jesus is our Redeemer. Jesus is our Redeemer. Without, without him, just like Ruth, we had nothing to offer. Ruth had nothing to offer Boaz. And just as we come to Christ, we have no works, no good works that can, can earn our forgiveness, earn our salvation. But Christ came and gave his life to purchase our freedom. We're broken and without him, we have no hope for eternity. But Jesus came not to do what was easy, but to do what had to be done for our salvation. He paid our price to redeem us so we could have a future and a hope, that we could have eternal life. The question I want to ask you today is, will we come? and lay our lives at the feet of Jesus. Just as Ruth came and lay her life down at the feet of Boaz and say, take me, take my life, I give myself to you. Will we come to the foot of the cross and say, God, thank you for what you've done for me. I give my life to you. You are my redeemer. I want to live for you. I want to live for your glory. I want to live for your name. Not for my pleasure, not for my plans, but for your plans. 
I'm just going to ask the band to come. We're going to pray in just a moment. You know, I could talk to you the whole morning about the plans that I believe God has for us as a church. I could share with you the things that God's been stirring in my heart, even this week, the things that I feel God is speaking to us as a church. The visions I've had over the last 20 years, I could share with you things that I believe God has spoken to me about programs and people and events and buildings and programs that God has put on my heart. But I believe the question that God wants us to ask ourselves first is who are we going to live for? Are we living for our glory or are we living for the glory of our Saviour? Are we willing to take the opportunities that God places before us, even if there is some personal risk for us attached to it? Are we willing to be seen as a fool before the, in the eyes of others as we lift up the name of Jesus? Will we lay down our life and do what is right and not just what is easy? Jesus gave it all for us so we could have forgiveness and hope. Let's be followers of Christ. I pray that the world around us would see the church and go, wow, what a love they have for one another. What a love, what a commitment, what a, what a sacrificing group of people that just love and serve one another. What a testimony that would be to our world. Can we stand as we pray together now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. God, we just thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the book of Ruth. I thank you, Lord, for the, the, the way you show us, how you can bring us from that place of feeling like we have everything and then realising our emptiness and then giving us true hope true freedom and true life. God, I pray that you would help us to, to recognise our emptiness, to recognise our brokenness, just as, as Naomi did, just as Ruth, I believe, did too, Lord, and that we would surrender our lives to you, that, God, we would lay our lives down at your feet and say, Lord, have your way in me. God, I pray for us as a church at this time in history, at this point in 2021, that God, you would lead us with a sacrificial love for one another and for this world. Lord, we just pray that you would be glorified, you would be lifted up, that Lord, you would draw men, women and children to yourself as we lift up your name. For your glory, we pray in Jesus.